Good morning. Welcome to Real Time with IPELRA, a podcast dedicated to HR topics in local government. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're talking about politics in the workplace. But before we get to our topic, I want to let you know about an exciting episode we have coming up the week of November 1st. Joyce Martyr will be here to discuss workplace mental health concerns in the wake of COVID. We also have Sonal Shah from HR Source the second week of November to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, how to initiate change in the workplace. But with us today is Margie Swanson. Margie is a partner at Mahoney Silverman and Cross. Good morning, Margie. How are you today? Good morning. How are you guys? Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us. It is such a busy time and so much going on. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to spend a little bit with us. Sure, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Margie, tell us a little bit about us. I know uh, you and I know each other uh, through my city administrator, who's also an attorney, but tell us a little bit about your practice and, and how you came to be who you are today. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm in a, a labor and employment partner at Mahoney, Silverman and Cross. We, uh, our main office is in Joliet, but we also have offices in Grundy and Kendall counties. Uh, we represent uh, various units of local government and private employers. Um, so we provide advice to these local governments on board governance, FOIA, general issues. Uh, my main focus, like I said, is the labor and employment um, aspects, you know, union negotiations and such. So, um, but that, that's uh, pretty much how I got here today uh, through representing various units of local government uh, beginning uh, even in uh, college and pursuing that uh, in law school as well. So that's been what I've been doing my whole career. That's great. Well, you're in good hands because that is our listening audience. Um, <laughs> so I don't, it, you know, we don't have to mention it to anybody, but it's election time. Um, not only at the national level with it being a presidential election year, but it's also a municipal election year with the consolidated general election happening this spring, um, which is what brought us to this topic. Christina and I and most of our listeners work for government employees. So why should we care about discussing politics in the workplace? Well, I think, you know, you got to care because, you know, political speech is the essential component of the First Amendment. Um, and as governmental employers, you're charged with uh, making sure that you don't violate anybody's First Amendment rights. So it, it is an, an issue um, that you would want to care about and be concerned about, um, you know, even though, you um, their employees, public employees still have First Amendment rights. They don't check those when they get come to the work. So um, it's really interesting, though, because even though, you know, you have these First Amendment rights, uh, there are still restrictions that are put on place, you know, uh, particularly politicking in the workplace. So, you know, it's kind of tricky because you're charged with enforcing these ethic rules and prohibiting political conduct. But at the same time, you know, walking on this tightrope and making sure that you're not infringing on your employees' First Amendment rights. Um, at the same time, it actually can be a pretty tricky um, area to manage um, and probably, you know, it's going to have to approach it on a case by case basis. Uh, it's actually a pretty interesting topic right now. Absolutely. So you mentioned that they don't or employees don't check their First Amendment rights um, when they come into the workplace. Do how is that? How does that work? Do employees have a constitutionally protected right to free speech at work? And and how does that work? when we are all working in government office. Right, yeah, so you do have a right to free speech, you know, but it, you know, like anything, you know, you can't yell, you know, even though you have rights to free speech, you can't yell fire in a crowded 
building, right? So there's right. still some, there's still restrictions on it. So it's, you know, you can't, you know, it's not like you can just say whatever you want at the workplace. There are some restrictions. So um, you may be able to restrict it if you're speaking on behalf of like a particular, you know, candidate and politicking and trying to, you know, solicit funds. That's the clear ethics act violations that you would want to, you know, it, you know, prevent from happening. Um, but, you know, some of these other issues get a little trickier on, on what people are saying. So definitely you have free speech rights um, um, as public employees. So Margie, if I could just follow up on that, you talked about campaigning and soliciting funds. And certainly I think most people that work in local government um, know that it would not be uh, the right thing to do or, or wise thing to do to go out and campaign for local elections, right? Because as, as employees, we try to remain neutral and uh, especially in our in our own communities or in the communities we work. But I think now more than ever, you're seeing a sort of a, a growth of desire to volunteer and to be active in the in the national elections. Uh, there are strong opinions, strong feelings on both sides. Um, how does that apply? Can people go out and, and campaign for a, a presidential uh, election or campaign? Can they go door to door, send letters if they work in a, a local government setting? Oh, yeah, for sure. You you definitely, you know, you have the right in your off-duty time to support whatever political, you know, uh, views you, you want. Um, you, you know, like there, you know, in fact, we, you know, as a public employee, aren't allowed to prohibit any sort of politicking, on, you know, off-duty like that. Um, so, yeah, definitely you have the right to do that. You know, you just want to make sure you're not doing it on public time or, uh, you, you know, wearing your uniform or things like that where you're crossing that over because there's prohibitions on, on doing that. So you'd have to be careful. And, you know, and right now you got to, I, you know, kind of was thinking about um, this in preparing for our call today is like right now, I think I'm sure a lot of people are still working at home. Um, you know, so if you're using, you know, public computers and public time, you want to make sure you're not, you know, campaigning at home, you know, maybe some employees might be doing that. I, you know, it was, it's, we're all in like this new world here where our offices are beyond where, you know, the workplaces. So kind of keep those things in mind too. So the key is just separation of your time and resources and making sure there's a clear, clear separation. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to err on the side of, you know, violating that. So Margie, I think it's pretty obvious um, that, you know, you're, it's kind of frowned on or prohibited that discussing um, candidates and party platforms in the workplace, but what about issues and public questions? How, how does that fit into protected speech? Yeah, you know, and that's where, you know, it starts to get, you know, you get those answers from your lawyer. You know, it depends, right? You know, I love that answer. You always get um, where it gets yeah. to the facts of the situation. Um, you know, you kind of have to weigh in on things. You know, you know, some things, obviously, you have your right to your viewpoints and, and expressing it. But sometimes these viewpoints cross over into areas that are, you know, violating of, of rights, other rights, um, such as, you know, sex harassment or race discrimination or religion. Um, and it could, you know, become offensive and inappropriate for the workplace. So you kind of, again, like I said, it's this tightrope you're walking of, you know, First Amendment versus other, you know, rights in the workplace. And, you know, at what point does the employer's you know, right to have an efficient workplace and keep it free from discrimination, you know, that will end up trumping, you know, whatever anybody is, you know, saying on their First Amendment political rights, you know, so you have to balance those issues. 
And, and I think it goes without saying that speech comes in many forms these days. And I know there's all sorts of um, paraphernalia and memorabilia and uh, items out there for sale. So we have, we're working from home. Some of us are going to the office. What happens if someone has a MAGA sticker on their car and they're in a parking lot or they're on a Zoom call with a Black Lives Matter um, t-shirt on or poster in the background. How does, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, those sort of things are more, um, you know, general, uh, viewpoints as opposed to actual politicking for a candidate, you know, which where you would have the, the issue. I think you'd have to have something a little bit more than, um, just a, a viewpoint there, um, to, to weigh in on it. Like, so if somebody's trying to actively campaign, especially with black lives matter too, you could cross over into some other areas. Cause I think they believe there there's also some minimum wage tied to that in some areas. So you could end up crossing over into, if you were going to restrict that, that you maybe there's some concerted activity issues there too. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that just that alone is going to be enough to, to, to weigh in, you, you know, cause people have the right to support, um, certain views. I know in, in the federal, like the Hatch Act, that MAGA hats have been considered to be over politicking because it is for a particular candidate. Um, as far as the mm-hmm. Illinois law is concerned, I don't know that it would definitely fit in the same realm. So it's kind of a tricky area. You might need a little bit. So what what would your advice be for um, other HR people that are listening to the show or employers? Do we are we required to make a policy? I mean, I know when we talk about social media, the first thing they say is make sure you have a good social media policy. Um, can we, can employers make a policy that is it within our rights to say, if you're on a zoom call, you cannot wear any campaign material or have anything that touches issues or are we overstepping our boundaries? Can we prohibit bumper stickers on cars and parking lots? What rights do we as employers? Yeah, I think a a blanket, you know, ban on all politics would, would be, you know, overstepping, right. You know, so, you know, your people, like we said, you know, they have the right to have their viewpoints and you can't, you know, have any sort of policy in place that is going to prohibit, you know, anyway, inhibit or prohibit the employees from exercising their political rights. So you can't, you can't really do that. Um, but if you, you know, you want to have a policy in place, it's going to have to be something that's content neutral. So you can't regulate like the content of the speech. So you can't say, you know, can't talk about religion, can't talk about, you know, these big areas. So if you have a right to have a policy in place on these things, especially like on the social media on on who can speak on behalf Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the city or the village, um, you'd want to have those sort of things in place. So you definitely can have a policy. Um, you don't have to though, that that's for sure. And it would probably have to be, I would advise you to draft that with legal counsel, because like I said, you know, the balance is kind of tricky. So what advice would you have for an employee that comes to you and says, you know, I don't feel comfortable in the workplace. My supervisor is incredibly outspoken. Um, maybe outside the workplace, or maybe it's it's pretty easy to figure out where people's beliefs lie, whether or not they're saying it in the workplace or not, um, because they have opposite political views. I don't feel that that supervisor can be fair and impartial to me because of X, Y, Z political reason. I, I'm 
I can't think of a specific example, but how would you address something like yeah, that? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, you got to be, you know, if it's purely off-duty conduct and it's not tied to the employer at all, you know, I mean, I think in that situation, you know, you might want to redirect the employee to stop looking, right? I mean, like, you know, you know, unfriend right. them on, you know, you don't need to be connected. You know, if so we're talking about the completely easy answer of complete off-duty conduct. And we're not talking about, I'm assuming something that, like I said earlier, crosses over into something discriminatory. We're just talking about, you know, purely ideological differences. Um, you know, um, I think that would be probably like, you'd want to redirect that and try and avoid the situation. You know, you'd want to make sure what what is exactly that they're talking about. Again, you know, is it something that crosses over into discrimination or is it just we have different ideological beliefs, in which case, you know, we're all we're all encouraged. So to have our, these beliefs. So if it, it crosses over into the workplace, you, you know, you can encourage people like, hey, you know, people don't really enjoy these kinds of topics, you know, try and redirect people, I think, is the best way to do it and, and focus on the fact that, hey, we're here to work. You know, this maybe isn't exactly work, you know, <laughs> productive work time and sure. redirect what is happening as opposed to like the content and even weighing in on it, you know, because um, you just don't want to overstep and now people think you're discriminating against them. Right. Example I'm thinking of is I know um, early on in, in uh, President Trump's administration, or perhaps even when he was campaigning, the big a big issue was build the wall was was immigration and access to coming here, and that was very much directed at um, Mexican immigrants and um, and minorities. And I know a lot of people felt threatened by that platform. Um, and I know that there have been some cases where people were making jokes in the workplace, um, you know, build the wall jokes. Uh, and and that, I believe, would probably um, exemplify what you're talking about, crossing over into discrimination or, or things like that. Do you have any examples or cases that you've handled that involve a political situation at work like that? Or are you aware of any? I have not had that particular issue pop up. Um, you know, recently, I think. You know, interesting. There's been a lot of social media, um, not even with coworkers. The one interesting I had was um, some an, an employee had posted something on social media, and uh, a random person who wasn't even an Illinois citizen uh, did not like what that viewpoint was, and clicked on the employee's profile, and it said that they were an employee of such and such city or village, and then this. You know, non-Illinois citizens said, hey, this is what your employees are posting on social media. I think you should fire them. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, so in that case, it wasn't connected enough. I mean, this person had to really dig and do some research to find out where it was. And it seemed more vindictive and it it really didn't cross the line. But, you know, I suppose at some point it could if, you know, if it's tied to some sort of, if you, you know, that you have, you know, your village or city written all over the place and you could you know, connected and it's discriminatory. So that, that was an interesting one that's come up lately that, that, that I can think of. Okay. And you know, what's um, always interesting to me, I guess I've always enjoyed Saturday Night Live and the caricatures they portray. And I guess it really wasn't until recently that I thought how much influence they might actually have over the election, especially with the onset of social media and, and people, most um, younger people getting their information from non-traditional news sources, whether that's accurate or not. But that um, kind of parlays to um, pop culture discussion in the workplace. 
So how, what are your, what are your thoughts about quote unquote jokes in the workplace? Um, how do we address memes or, or political jokes and, um, you know, oh, it was so funny. Jim Carrey plays Joe Biden. And, but how do we, how do we address things like that? Are people sending them around or, or texting with them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, on I that? mean, I suppose, you know, people are going to talk about things and I, I don't think just talking about a joke, you know, is it at all inappropriate in the workplace, you know, here and there, um, you know, I suppose if it took on too long, you know, you'd be wasting company time. Or if, you know, it started to offend somebody, you may want to just, you know, redirect, like I said, the conversation. The problem with these things is like, you know, like, let's say, you know, you want to ban it all, or you want to, you don't like what one person said. The problem becomes like, okay, let's say, you know, I don't like this joke. And so you stop it. I'm sure that everybody, you know, is going to have examples of situations where maybe the political joke wasn't stopped. And that's the problem is trying to be consistent in your enforcement because, you know, you could accidentally, you know, not you're not in trying to, but maybe you put down only the Trump jokes or only the, you know, Joe Biden or only this viewpoint, only that viewpoint. And somebody might be paying attention like, well, you let, you know, all these other memes go around the office and then the one I send out, you, you knock down. Right. And so that's where, you, you know, it gets really difficult is trying to make sure that you're consistent in applying these policies and um, not discriminating, you know, unintentionally. So how do employers get in front of that then? What's your advice? How can we, how can we avoid those situations? Well, I think you're going to have to just be consistent from the get-go, right? And um, make sure that you're documenting what you're doing or, you know, so that you, do, you know, you don't have those sort of issues. Keep track of, of what you're doing. Make sure you're training your, you know, supervisors and that everybody's doing it consistently. Maybe you coordinate who's in charge of those sort of things. I think anytime you're going to be disciplining anybody for what they're saying, you probably want to make sure you're uh, consulting counsel because it's, it, you know, there's a lot of issues at stake there. So I wouldn't do that sort of thing without seeking advice would be probably my advice. <laughs> okay. Um, go ahead, Christina. Margie, maybe the, the policy isn't so much specific to um, we're banning all kinds of political discussion and viewpoints, but I think there's a lot of policies in the workplace that we have that um, address the specific issue. So like, for example, um, attire and, and dress policies will often say, um, you know, if you're, you're wearing uh, a hat or a t-shirt or on a casual day or whatever, um, your, your clothing can't have um, logos or slogans or any kind of um, graphic type of things on it. So um, I think that tends to address a broad array of things, and that does make it easier to apply the policy consistently because you're you're essentially saying anything from a Nike slogan to a political slogan is not going to be permitted. Um, well, the, yeah, and you got to be careful with some of those too, because like you can't, you know, like union insignia. Sometimes, you know, there's things that you know the the blanket um, material, you know, might not might not fly. So, but yeah, you want to make sure you're being content neutral um, would be definitely, you know, what you're going to be doing in any policies that you do have. Okay. Christina, has this come up in your workplace or any other workplace that you're aware of? Um, you know, not specifically, but I did read a story recently and I want to say it was just in the last week or two where there's a police officer um, in another state 
that was wearing a MAGA hat on duty um, and I believe was disciplined and or terminated as a result. Um, and so that's mm -hmm. that's um, picked up some obviously responses across the country in terms of news um, and what's going to happen and whether or not that was the right thing to do, whether or not that's protected speech from the police officers. And now, you know, again, I think for those of us that work in local government, police uh, tend to be a little bit different because there's a specific uniform and most police departments have a very have very specific criteria for what's allowed as part of the uniform. Now, I don't know this community. I, I have no idea what their policies are, but uh, my guess is that the uh, wearing of a that kind of a baseball cap or something that isn't specific to the police department or the community that they're working as part of their uniform would not be permitted. Yeah, I mean, I think normally. I was going to say police, um, you know, you know, have, you know, kind of paramilitary organization and different rules. So, you know, it would be beyond just you know, I, I'd have to, you know, hear more of the specifics of that situation. But yeah, definitely police would have mm -hmm. stricter uniform requirements. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I can actually weigh in on that, too. Uh, my previous employer, um, we had a uh, public works employee that was out in the field in the neighborhood wearing a MAGA hat. And um, we did not have a policy prior to that. I mean, they had a uniform. There was a uniform policy. But Generally, we let anyone wear their own hats and gloves that they wanted to. And residents uh, in this community called the village and they were very upset. And that led to the prompting of a policy that you can only wear um, city issued uh, hat, hat, uh, headwear and hats and gloves from there. And that's that's what it came down to. So sometimes, I mean, I think like any policies or any legislation that's passed, it's right. And then, you know, sometimes, too, though, that. even in, in enacting policies, you need to be careful because, you know, like I said, if, if all these other viewpoints and hats have been tolerated and then, you know, I know it's in response to, a, you know, right. specific complaint, you're trying to regulate it. But, you know, someone could view it as, you know, you instituted that policy to retaliate on particular views. Right. You know, so you got to kind of walk that line again. Well, I, I think one thing that brings me comfort is that a lot of professionals in local government are members of ICMA, which is the uh, International City Management Association. And uh, they have a long ethical standing and a, and a commitment to ethics and to abstain from politics. So in a lot of communities that I've worked in, the executive staff takes that pledge and they sign it and that's framed in the administration's office to commit to, um, in order to advance the work of local government, that we are not going to actively engage in politics. And that's something that we willingly do. So that is something uh, that local municipalities can consider. You can go on the ISCMA website, read about their ethics and the um our mission to abstain from politics in order to advance the business. Of yeah. And it, government. As, I think that's a good avenue. You're, you're joining for, that uh, privately and you know, that no government's forcing you to, to take that stance. It's your own, your own private, you know, viewpoint that you want to do. And frankly, right. you know, it's probably just smart to avoid, you know, those types of discussions in any workplace. Right. Because, you know, it's like politics and religion, even outside of, you know, public employment. It's just topics to just right. avoid to not accidentally offend somebody or not, you know, these are just things that probably are better, even if, you know, we can't really 
forbid people from having these discussions, you know, as an employee, it probably is just smart, right? You know, like why even stir that pot when you don't need to? <laughs> right, right. Well said, well said. Well, Margie, thanks so much for your uh, time today. Um, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you or if they'd like more information, oh, sure. on you this know, topic, got, how can uh, our reach? website, uh, msclawfirm.com or uh, my phone number is 815-730-9500. So either one, uh, we'd be happy to answer any other questions or talk about this topic further. Great. And you know what? I'll put a link to that in the body of our podcast too. And if any of our listeners have anything you want to say on this topic, know that we're listening. You can send us a recorded voice message we can play on the show or join us on a future podcast. Connect with us through the website at www.ipelra.org. And of course, on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We are dedicated to providing training and resources to HR and labor professionals in local government. Coming up soon, we have a webinar on the economic impacts of COVID in the workplace. I'm, I'm Megan Solera. And this has been Real Time with iPelra. Thanks so much for joining.